Welcome to the Spinecrackers fucking official glow up episode. That's right. Yeah, we got somebody here with a uh, quite a bit of tech and hardware. I went all out. Proposal. I got here. I got all the stuff. New computer, new HD webcam, new sick mic with an arm. I don't know if you can tell if Paul sounds like a completely different human being because of how high fucking fidelity his <laughs> his his voice is at this point. Now you're going to get the full spectrum, the real me. The real me. <laughs> I don't know if they can handle I don't know if they can handle the real you, Paul. I don't think I already can either. I already forgot but what the real world trying. intro is where people stop being what and start uh, getting stop real. Stop being polite and start getting real. Yeah, that's Paul. Uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm he's, more like he's, the road rules, actually. He's so much more real by like fakely amplifying his voice with a that's right a technological fucking. Well, the real world road rules challenge mm. was hosted at some point by Joe Rogan, who's set up. No, is that true? Am I just making that up? I think you might wow. be making that up. I think he. You're thinking of uh, Fear what? Factor. Fear Factor. Well, I mean, obviously, no. Yeah, no, no, no I know I'm you. Not. Know, I know. I know. I know. But did you really host that? <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I know he was hosting other random stuff. Um, Is this you know. the Mandela effect happening right now? Like, do you have a clear possibly, memory? possibly, yeah? Because I kind of do too. It seems like it's plausible. Some, some like hot people competing in not like eating a a, a horse's dick raw, like <laughs> like Life they were spiders. It was like something else, but maybe I'm conflating it. Well, it's I mean. A lot of those, I mean, if you, I don't know if you are, I'm still trying to look it up, but if you are, it is probably because a lot of those road rules, real world challenges, which by the way, I fucking love that show. I watched that show religiously it's a good for show. years, yeah. but a lot of those challenges were fucking like fear factor-esque challenges at like you, like you're saying. I was always into the ones where it was like, I, the ones I remember most distinctly were like, genuinely dangerous seeming where like it usually involves something like suspended in midair like high in in the air yeah <laughs> like and it was like okay you have to make it through this uh greased trellis hanging yes. a thousand feet above the air by these cranes uh and you know you've got like you know harnesses with like bungee cords on them and stuff but like yeah not and then that safe not that thought out the teammates would be screaming no like encouragement like way down below like you got it carly like just like <laughs> I, like i just remember all this stuff so distinctly shout outs to the miz who fucking parlayed that shit into an actual professional wrestling career oh is that right yeah he's look him up the miz mike i don't forget his actual last name but he started <laughs> out on fucking the challenge dude and he's a, he's in the fucking whatever it's called now wwe wow 
Good yeah, I wish it was more plugged into that, but I don't. <laughs> that's not. You don't really probably wish you were. No. All right. Yeah. Probably right. <laughs> but it's funny. I mean, by the end of that show, they just were like, you, like at the beginning, it was those like elaborate, complicated, semi-dangerous challenges that were. But by the end, they were just literally just like, all right, fucking wrestle each other. Like, see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> Fight. Fight each other. Producers just ran out of ideas. Yeah. The night, the night before, they're just drunk. Like, oh, what are we going to do? Yeah. Let's just have what a if fight. You're, what if you're fighting in a bubble, but we just let bees in there? And it was just like, that's a show. Which is, it is a show. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Spinecrackers. <laughs> Okay, and if you might have probably guessed it already, but today we're talking about Michelle Huelbeck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and shit. Uh, per tradition, Paul, why don't you uh, tell us what we're reading and, and why you chose it? Wait, wait, one thing, one last mm. housekeeping thing I want to say. This mm. is our 20th episode, boys. 20th wow. episode. Happy 20, 20 Wow, happy 20 years together. It's the fucking glow up. Paul's got the system. Happy 20 years, married, happily. And um, Paul, it's no joke. Paul's the only one. Paul's got the mic arm. He's dude. got the thing with the arm that puts I wanted the right arm. at your face. I feel like yeah. such a little like like bitch. Like you can't even see my yeah. mic. I know it's like you don't even have one, but mine's yeah, so gonna in hold your it face. like this the whole time. <laughs> yeah, unduly cradle it. I do have one. You know, my thought was if I'm gonna get a microphone, why not look fucking sweet and cool and like I'm a professional. So. It does. I mean, and it does. Speaking of being it. a professional, we have a Patreon now. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's uh, professional. Fucking patreon.com slash spinecrackers. And if you go there, there's fun shit you can purchase from us, uh, exchange your legal tender for goods and services. Mm hmm. And, and if yeah. you give us, there's a bunch of different tiers. And if you, the highest tier is a thousand that you can uh, go on a date with me, I'll kiss you. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed first base, Paul. Yes, yes, just, first just, base. just straight up advertising prostitution on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's Patreon. I mean, it, yeah, it's a sort of we're, it's fledgling notion. But it if is you know the password, bit. it's if yeah, you know yeah. the password, you can yeah. sign up for that tier. Yeah. But yeah, go yeah, check right. it out. Go check it out. And uh, yeah. 20th episode we got we're, we're we're fucking on the way up yeah stonks Next episode 21 it's going up this fucking stonks number go up like linear looks good the graph is go is going up <laughs> yes it looks like a wedge and that's good so yeah this book is called submission i picked it uh it was kind of an off-the-shelf pick for me honestly um so i didn't know much about him about Hualbeck. I just kind of read a, about him a little bit before I uh, added it to the list. And I, I really had no expectations. I knew that he was like a big French author, semi pretty fa like one of the most famous living French authors, right? Oh, what a big man you are. He's a big man. I would man. say so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think this is his latest book, right? I can't name it. 2015. No, no, he's got he's got serotonin two since then, or just one. Oh, yeah. OK. Just well, it's published one. in 2015. Um, I want to do something different this time. And I actually just want to read the back. Do it. Uh, and read sure. the little snippet reviews because um, it might be a, a good starting point for the discussion. Uh, OK, it's 2022. Francoise is the main character. Francoise is bored. He's a middle aged lecturer at the new Sorbonne University and an expert on J.K. Rowling, or uh, Heisman's, 
So too small. Too small. Uh, the famed 19th century novelist associated with the decadent movement, but Francois, Francois's own decadence is of considerably smaller scale. He sleeps with his students, eats microwave dinners, and watches you porn. Meanwhile, it's election season, and an all alliance in an and in all alliance with the socialists, France's new Islamic party sweeps to power and, Isla and Islamic law is instituted. Women are viled, polygamy is encouraged, and Francoise is offered an irresistible academic advancement on the condition that he converts to Islam. Which is interesting to me because that happens like basically at the very end of the book. It's a weird yeah. description. And, and it might not even happen. It's, we yeah. can talk about it. It's, it's, it's written in the conditional. Mm -hmm. So this is where the description totally does not seem correct to me. A darkly comic masterpiece from one of France's great writers, Submission has become an international sensation in one of the most discussed novels of our time. And I just want to read a couple of these snippet reviews. This one's by the New York Review of Books. A classic novel of European cultural pessimism that belongs in whatever category you put books like Thomas Mann's The Magic Mountain and Robert Musil's The Man Without Qualities. Holy shit. Holy yeah. shit. Insane review, whoever wrote that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is by Adam Gopnik the, at The New Yorker. Hoelbach is a sincere satirist, genuine, genuinely saddened by the absurdities, absurdities of history and the madness of mankind. Again, I, don't I did not find this book satirical at all, but um, I'll read one more. This is by the San Francisco Chronicle. A challenging satire that, at its best, is subtler than its author's reputation might lead you to expect. So... I mean, that's pretty much a weird description, I would say. The back of the book is kind of a strange description. It gets the, um, it hits the main points, right? It's a it's yeah. a it's a sad boy. It's a sad boy, depressed middle-aged dude who's teaching in a literature department. And and the Muslim party wins in France and he goes through a sort of like false religious awakening and then a sort of one of convenience kind of while not, you know kind of fucking his way through yeah there's not really a lot of plot points really i mean it, yeah I, I i agree it's kind of a simple simple plot ultimately but yeah matt but a you, lot what, there's what, a lot yes i mean the yeah the back kind of describes it almost too much it's like one of those trailers for a movie where it's like okay well you just showed me a supercut of the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I, you, you picked this semi-randomly. I don't know, Paul. I don't know if you had any, like, even sort of, like, slight notion of, like, Quellbeck's notoriety. Um, no. No, I picked it. It was an, uh, an off-the-shelf Kindle pick. I, I mean, I didn't buy it on Kindle, but I found it on my Kindle. and was just like, oh, okay, this is the right page amount. And, uh, it seems like it could be a, a interesting read. I thought it was actually going to be a lot more satirical in the way that like French cartoons are. I thought it was going to be like cartoony and funny. Like well, that. that's it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> that because one of the we should, I mean, the, the context around this book is like half of the half of its thing, right? Yes, yes. Welbeck is known. Uh, Michael Holbe Hallbacks is 
known for being kind of like this edgy bad boy doesn't give a fuck and is like a dick in interviews and blah 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 this book specifically which is about an islamic takeover of french politics was I, I, I may be wrong with this i know for sure for sure he was on the cover of charlie hebdo the day that the the shooting yes. took place there and i believe okay. this book was also published that same day is that right or is it was that is it was that just in the same vicinity? I feel like it was the same vicinity. Okay, but he was on the cover that day. That was the day that, that that issue was coming out. He was on the cover. Yes, yes, his face. And so, of course, this book was that that just kind of fucking blew this book up, right? Because it was about Islamic extremism, sort of. I mean, it's not really about Islamic extremism. I would say it's about Islam in general, sort of, and also not. We'll talk, you know, we'll talk about all that, but right. it, it coming out on the same day as that shooting kind of made it like immediately relevant in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, which it's funny to be taken back to that time. I, I do remember like, because that's 2015 and like, I don't know if you guys remember, but you know, often in the US, you don't get these kind of things breaching into our consciousnesses through the media. But like, this was something that we, yeah, I don't know. We took up, and I remember all these discussions about Charlie Hebdo and like kind of discussions Je about Charlie. How, exactly, hashtag, and like kind of these weird discussions, you know, about like, did they deserve it? And like, <laughs> like really kind of in, somewhat interesting, but mostly fucked up conversations, like, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, about like, the rightness or wrongness of this of that event um but yeah I, I think submission just uh like Welbeck was well known before that I don't know what novel this would be in his kind of like oeuvre but like he he's he's established he's been established like he's already a thing in France like people know him he's already kind of like got the rep and then he gets this which I think one of the big problems I have with it and I think you guys agree is like um before this i think it was platform and then some sort of like bombing that happened but the the idea that he's some sort of prognosticator i think it was or... just 9 11 right i think it was platform sort of coincided with 9 11 and there's a, Is that a i haven't i haven't read it but i i believe that that was the because there's some big terrorist or the, attack the london the london tube station it could have been that know. i'm not sure it, it was some one of these one of those big well when did platform come out hold on we're I'm professional not sure. researchers <laughs> uh yeah but like i i all i'm saying is that i agree with you that like i think a huge part of the the books, 2001 so yeah same year as 9 11 okay uh, the huge part of the book i think breaching american audiences was like this this synergy with a tragedy around you know uh islamic extremism and then just this kind of including uh an Islamic takeover, but like Gabe said, it's not really about like terrorism uh, at all. No. Um, but yeah, just like kind of riding a wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I international think that, consciousness. Right. And I think that that's the, that's exactly the right way to put it, Matt, because this book is sort of the the crest or the the high watermark of the whole kind of like, um, oh, you know 
political cartoons depicting Muhammad and death threats about that kind of shit. And then, you know, the Charlie Hebdo thing happens for the same reason, I believe, right? It's because they published cartoons depicting Muhammad. Yes, yeah. Mm. And that wasn't the first one. There was some some in like Sweden or Norway or something, right? Some cartoonist who was doing that kind of work. Mm-hmm. And then this book, th- this that, that sort of, it, like you said, it's such a sort of surreal experience to be brought back to that time because it feels so foreign <laughs> and alien from what what's going on now. And I think like, I'll just say, I'll just say, I mean, putting some of my cards on the table here, I think that um, one of the things that I've always kind of disliked about Huelbeck and the sort of, um, I don't want to say cult, but the, the, his fan, his fan base uh, is that they, they paint him as this like prophet that, oh, Platform happened to come out the same year as 9-11. This book came out around the same time as the Charlie Hebdo shootings. And if he's a prophet- and ser- and serotonin, and serotonin with the yellow vest sort of thing was yes. came out with the yellow vest, which is about a sort of populist farmer uprising. I haven't read it, but I have know the like the, the big points. But again, you know, if if and and I don't know, I don't know the degree. Maybe that's something we talk about to to which Welbeck has his pulse on French society. I certainly don't. He probably does more than I do. But um, as a sort of prophecy, this book is clearly <laughs> ridiculous. And it's not we're, we're the reality we're living in now is so removed from any of those concerns. When was the last time you heard someone talking about drawing cartoons about Muhammad? It was probably around <laughs> when this fucking book came out. Yeah, this right? is, like this it's is it. just it's just not a thing anymore. And this book takes place in what 2022, so right? Next year. Um, and it's 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 sort of a Quebec writing about the future is just it, it it feels basically just like him extrapolating immediate things it's not really a prediction it's just sort of here's what's happening now and i'm assuming it's going to keep happening and maybe here's what that would look like which okay but to call it like prophetic or or especially um in touch seems ridiculous to me i i i mean like you said we don't we're not french we don't really <laughs> No, a lot. no, sir. I uh, Hell don't no, know dude. much about uh, French <laughs> fucking, cult. Like... Fucking freedom fries, dude. Freedom yeah. fries are best. <laughs> These frogs can go eat it. I think the one thing that Hallback may have gotten right, like in terms of the pulse on maybe French men of a certain age, I, I, I think he, he does know a lot about how men think in his culture and it's like i think that the main character francois is kind of like a like a strange every man in a sense and it's kind of depressing like i think he did potentially hit that nail on the head um and i think that's probably like the strongest aspect of the book to me is is the characterization of that just kind of like lonely depressed like sex chasing guy who doesn't have like any direction or any real thoughts or any uh like pressing issue to try to better himself or anything it's it's he's like a wasteland type man and i think that was a good aspect of the book for me but one of the only good aspects i would say (laughs) yeah do you agree with that or what do you i i don't know i i like 
I know, like, I had heard this elsewhere, but, like, you know, the idea of Francois, the, the main character, you know, uh, being called that because it's a stand-in for, like, France. For, and it's like, you know, um, this would be the sort of... Francois would be... Yeah, I, I guess an everyman in the sense that, like, he's su supposed to be this agglomeration of various like tendencies and and nihilism in like the average french citizen but th th this is one of the problems that i have you know like it's more what you're describing is more like why Huelbeck and i full disclosure you know like I i've read five Huelbeck books <laughs> five this is breaking news breaking news uh, revealed on the pod by man and we all and we all know why because i've been called slanderous <laughs> things over the course of these episodes is, it, is anyone shocked is anyone shocked <laughs> but this shit is pretty par for the course like uh you know this kind of disso dissolute uh man depressed sad boy yeah exactly right you, well, as representative of anything it's it's the most tiresome aspect of Welbeck's like writing. It's like a tick. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Like, and 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 it and it bespeaks the fans that he ends up getting, which are 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 people that right. Uh, Gabe, you sent us that great like sort of updike review of the possibility of an island, which is is my favorite one of his, but for reasons that are different. But like, uh, just the idea of this like. He's got more of a depressed person's view, which is incredibly blinkering and limiting and hermetically sealed in despair. And like, those are your horizons. And uh, it, it, yeah, it just becomes more suffocating, like with every successive book, I feel like. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I I mean, mean, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, like, even though I said, I think that that's the best aspect of the book, I still didn't find his writing about the main character to be that good anyway it was it was it was so blanketed um and i could kind of sense that it, it seemed a little bit overwritten uh, I, I did read that a lot of his main characters walbeck's main characters kind of fall into similar tropes so it's not surprising for me to hear that matt that this is just kind of like a, a tiresome uh character that he's writing about but I, I was actually thinking about uh, Simonon a little bit and Dirty Snow and just how I, I think I was just wishing I was reading a Simonon book because I was That's like, great. oh, the, char the characterization that Simonon can take out of a character and the lack thereof that Hualbeck tries to uh, character like he's just he's trying to do something that is just it, it wasn't even that interesting to me. Like he's talking yeah. about how he, uh, you know, hates that there's no Wi-Fi in the hotels and that he's just like on porn sites. It, it just felt like a lazy, uh, like a lazy writing of this character. There's no no personality to even his like depression. Which again, right? Like I get it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. His depression, right. You, you sort of, uh, made my point for me in your last the last thing you said there but like it's not just that um 
it's not that he's just depressed and that's the sort of generic Welbeck character, right? This is a book yeah. about, you know, uh, I mean, again, we can talk more about the more explicitly political aspects of this later because that is a big part of my problem with this book. But even just the characterization of Francois, it's this generic loss of meaning for Western man and the sort of, <laughs> sort of, um, you know, like uh, demystification of religion and the, the sort of lack of resonance. But but even in the on those scores, it strikes me that even for fucking 2013, Quebec has a profound failure of imagination. Like mm. his his description of like late capitalist malaise and depression is so banal. And again, like it's we're we're coming at it from eight years on, and things have certainly, I would argue, gotten worse even since 2013. But his description of that that sense, that that feeling is. And don't get me wrong, I think there's some beautiful passages in this book and some sort of really interesting, um, you know, like when Francois goes to the the uh, the like monk community, the abbey or whatever, I think there's some interesting passages there. I think the end is really interesting. But in general, it's sort of like, if your best, if the best thing you can come up with to capture like loss of meaning in life is like having sex with prostitutes it's i'm just it's just not that interesting to me it's not it's not as shocking as he wants it to be and i think it i think it betrays his fundamental conservatism in a lot of ways that that the the last you know the the final steps before complete uh, nihilistic sort of suicide are like i jerked off in a hotel room that's like the worst thing you can think of it's 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 I don't know. So I think yeah, like, I, I think up, you put it really well, Paul. There's there, even in his depression, there's no uniqueness to it. There's no character to it, and maybe that's part of the point. Um, but again, I, I I will probably repeat this phrase over the course of the evening a number of times. Just because something is the point doesn't mean it's a good point. Can and I, I think that applies to a lot of this book. And I just yeah, I just want to like piggyback that like that is I, I so firmly really just agree. I, I don't know. I think we're on the same page across the board, like all three of us a little bit at the moment. Like the a lack of imagination is what is one of the things that most bugged me. I'm like, bro, it's it's way worse <laughs> in some on in some ways. Like you 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 yeah, you lack the imagination to describe the ways or think of of the the different like horrific ways in which, you know, whatever. Like you said, like late capitalist malaise just erodes your will to live <laughs> like, yeah it, it uh right it, there's a huge lack of depth to the to the depression his depression and his malaise and it made me think i was thinking of like biden supporters reading this and people in that <laughs> age bracket just being like oh wow this is so like it's so ew like he's having sex with prostitutes wow i wouldn't do that i'm 65 years old that's incredible like and i i feel I love like my, that... i love my wife and i voted for elizabeth warren <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it it did seem like uh like dad like a dad book yes like a 55 year old to 75 year old grandpa and trying which, to be which like he edgy. is <laughs> yeah <laughs> which the author is yeah and it it kind of it, it it sort of felt like uh like when a director who's old tries to 
write a script or something and make dialogue for teenagers there was a little bit of that to it too just like <laughs> there's some there's something that's not lining up with Lit. and, what and you're doing. It, i know i mentioned this in the i think on the last episode um or no two episodes ago when we were talking about evandera which was just released today the day we're recording this um or yesterday but anyway it it, it was the same it, again i had that sense of the on cinema oscar special tim heidegger talking to his uh young <laughs> stepson trying to sound cool and being like yeah dude you just fucking like you fucking like just play fortnite and like just like blow people's heads off and shit dude it's just fucking you just like do you just like fucking like jerk off or like you know and it's just like trying to be <laughs> And it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's it doesn't not. Work. It's not edgy. It's not descriptive. It's not evocative. And but what what makes it worse too is that the age gap isn't even that big. Like he's writing about a forty five year old character, so you'd think he'd have a better understanding. But maybe maybe that's the thing though. Maybe the depth of those of that age group of people is shallow, and well, that is pr- provocative to that to those people. I don't know. All I can do is, and and the other thing, the other thing I have a problem with is just how dated the book is. Like, mm-hmm. again, above almost anything else he's written, like this is the most, like this has suffered the most from time. Yeah. Most notably because you know he's prognosticating, he's making a prediction, which is you know always the death knell of like in the near future type of fiction. But like. All I can think of is like the climate in 2015 in the U.S., which is where you know we live. Did I say 2013 uh, earlier? That's my bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, although I think like he'd been he was writing it 2013 onward. Um, I appreciate the I appreciate the exist. <laughs> Alley-oop. Uh, and and like I I think one of the things like if I remember like I know where I was at in 2015, and it's like. You know, obviously, like the rumblings of Trump were happening, so yeah. I, I don't know. I I feel like you know normally I wouldn't I wouldn't bring that rope that in so much, but like because like you were saying, Gabe, it's kind of like someone taking incredibly topical trends in culture in in his culture in France and like running a a, a guess as to what would happen if you know as long as those things continue at the same <laughs> level and never change. Uh, like, I'm just thinking about like American audiences and how squeamish and like weirdly receptive we would be to some sort of pessimistic, but still indicative. I don't know. It was a weird time where like a novelist could, could have a quick impact in a way that, I don't think has been true and isn't true now. Yeah. Uh, We were like, please, like some luminary or or even just explain this to us or even somebody I hate, but please describe what it is I'm hating or like what, you know, the shape of the danger that's approaching me. And like, I don't know, that's, that's kind of another, it's a little vague what I'm describing, but like, no, I don't think so. I think it makes total sense. And I, yeah, I just, I think that's the risk you take. I mean, I think, right. And we can talk about the way he's, talks about the shape of that danger, which I think is interesting in and of itself, because again, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think this book is particularly Islamophobic, um, I, although I do think it's a little reductive. And I think it's, well, we can talk about that in a minute, but um, it's like, yeah, I, I just, it, it doesn't have the same, and again, not necessarily the fault of the book, but this is a risk you take when you root a text so specifically 
in contemporary things like just the reference even Paul that you ran on the back to you porn I'm like dude I can I can pay a girl now five bucks to floss her teeth with her own pubes like in two <laughs> seconds you know what I mean and like you're talking about jerking off to you porn in a hotel like it's this degenerate like super super scandalous thing and it's just it just comes off as stupid and naive at this point yeah I would even suspect that it was it was that way when it was published too I mean to a lot of people if I read this book back then I probably would have thought the same thing it just seems like which is I think that's why I wanted to read some of the reviews of it too because I'm still just like taken aback to how this was like a New York Times best seller I mean it says New York Times book review it's like book of the year notable book of the year it's just I'm I'm really surprised by it because it just for so many reasons but the lack of of depth being one of them there's a lot of pr (laughs) i mean yeah well and i mean i think that just again goes back to what matt said that at the time there was a sort of clamoring for some established intelligent ish person to put out a take on this stuff right like put out a, a a sort of primer and explanation like what where is this coming from what's happening help us make sense of this and i think that that this was that um and that's why it took off so much obviously the charlie hebdo thing like accelerated that even further but i think the general like uh, uh, vibe of the time was of wanting someone to kind of produce a text like this right mm-hmm. like growing definitely growing dread it, across you know Europe and the U and like North America or, or whatever of just like something's about to break, <laughs> something's yeah. about to be different, um, and 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 just that alone being enough to fuel sales. Like I, I know yeah, I bought just... this book uh, because it was like uh, because of the PR probably. I was just like it was like ooh this is the this is kind of like the dangerous book that like you don't read or you're bad. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you. Fuck you. I'm buying it. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> Wait, so Matt, you read this. When did you read it then? First. Uh, a little bit before. No, I think I read it. Like it came out in the U S pretty quickly after it was published in France. So like either 2015 or like very early 2016, it was before, it was before Trump. Um, kind of around Jordan Peterson coming into power which is not irrelevant not irrelevant part of the same sort of basic trends of like people seeking uh guidance i would say yeah Yeah. that's that's actually sort of one of my fundamental like takes on the book is that it's it's obviously and and this is why people think it's like subtle and stuff because they see all this this sort of um you know, hubbub about, oh, it's Islamophobic, it's racist, it's it's this and that. And it's not really. And 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 if 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 anything, again, I think it's a little reductive. It paints with a little bit of a broad brush. I think it's telling that the book that um the uh uh dean or president of the university or whoever, I think it's telling that the that that the book he uses to explain Islam to Francois is like basically a children's book written for a general audience. Yes, because yes. because I think basically that's the best Welbeck himself could do. Um, because that's about as far as his understanding of Islam goes. Um, but I also think that 
people people saw the PR and the controversy and some of the interviews around the book and stuff and, and were like, oh, this is this Islamophobic screed. It's this fucking, you know, uh, just, just horribly racist text. And it's not. It actually paints Islam in a generally sort of favorable light from Francois's perspective in the sense that it's his kind of like last lifeboat in terms of getting meaning back in his life, right? He discovers, he, he, he's sort of presented with this um, opportunity to convert to Islam and he sort of starts writing again. He starts getting like re-engaged in his work and he starts sort of like becomes reinvigorated in a way. But, but that in and of itself doesn't exhaust the conservatism of the book. The fact that it's not Islamic doesn't mean it's not conservative. The, the conservatism, or is not Islamophobic, sorry. The conservatism in the book is that Quelbeck sees Islam as this sort of necessary self-discipline for the West that has strayed so far from the path of meaning and strayed so far from its sort of religious roots. And he sees Islam as basically this, you know, big dick Chad that can come in and discipline us in the ways that Western religion, the Western religions, Catholicism and, and Protestant Christianity have uh, ceased being capable of doing. And Islam well, can described, kind of whip the West back into shape in some he ways. Just, he describes Christianity as being feminine. Yeah. And he's like, yes, it's, it's literally like it's a fucking it's a bitch ass religion for pussies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and Francois sort of tries to 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 convert to Catholicism as Huismond did in real life. And it doesn't work and it, he, he's not feeling it or whatever. And I think, again, like you said earlier, Matt, Francois as the sort of stand in for France itself and France as a stand in for the West in, in, in turn. Right. Um, Welbeck seems to think we need that. We need that discipline. We need that sort of being, you know, whipped, being whipped into shape by the Chad Islam and um, who has its house in order to get back to Jordan Peterson. And that's how we're going to get meaning back. That's how, how we're going to get, uh, you know, purpose back. And that's the conservatism in the book. It's not that it's Islamophobic. It's that, it's that it sees in Islam a, a, a way back to, you know, the, the sort of traditional forms of religious meaning. And that's the most fucking conservative thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with, like, everything you just said. And... I think um, Francois, he only sees himself as someone who can participate in some sort of structure. Like he, he just lacks so much individualization within himself, even within his depression. He just had, there's, there's not much to him at all. And he needs some sort of societal structure in order to feel happy. Like he, he needs, at, at, by the end, he's like, He's like, yeah, I, I kind of like that all the women are now like covered up um, with traditional whatever, because now I'm not looking at them and I'm not thinking about sex. It, just, it seems like such a, a roundabout, huge plan to just get to himself feeling okay about how he interacts with the world and society. And I just kept thinking like, dude, you're just, you're, you're just a bad individual. Like everything, <laughs> everything, how you've lived your life, you, you don't need this giant change in society you don't need a, a resurgence of a western structure to achieve any form of happiness or whatever is but he 
he only believes that like he he only believes that he people need that he needs that that's what france needs um and it's it was just really depressing to think that like people can think that way but uh I'm yeah gonna, i want to push back I, I like i i know what you mean but i i don't think he's actually like stoked i would argue that he's not necessarily stoked on islam i would just complicate it by saying i don't think he thinks there's some you know chad like restoration of order by having a father figure come in and and sort the house out i i, I would put Quellbeck into more of the just like I think he regards himself as somebody who's floating cosmically above everything. And therefore like um, even, even the restoration of order via this more, I don't know, vibrant, this, uh, this religious belief that has more zealots and, and people who are like not even zealous, but just sort of like filled with the spirit of the thing. Uh, it's not. It's just not necessarily a positive. I don't. I don't think he sees it as restoring order. I think he sees it as like a, a sad reality of whatever moment he's writing about. Well, Maybe I think he's a I, sad I, boy, so he's always going to be <laughs> sad about whatever. That's that's true. I'm just Prince saying. Is Connor Oberst. Connor. Connor Obel. Connor Obel. The Obel Report. The Obel. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I should maybe sharpen a little bit. I don't think he's stoked on Islam. I think he's stoked on, on um, pre-made systems of meaning making that we can grab onto as the, the, best, the best way to make our way through the world. Order, yeah, order was also probably a poor choice. I don't think it's about order. I think it's about sort of meaning in your life and purpose i mean maybe maybe that's sort of those sure. are synonyms in some ways but i don't i don't think he's stoked on any particular of islam i don't think he's interested in islam specifically as a religion but i do think it's i don't know i have a hard time finding a way to get around the idea that he is lamenting the loss of meaning and he thinks that it matters that that coincides with a certain type of loss of religion and if Islam is the religion that comes in and fills that gap, he doesn't, I don't think he cares particularly, but it is the fact that some religion or some pre-made kind of prefabricated system of meaning is coming in and we can grab onto it. And that's, he thinks that is a good thing. I think, yeah. I think, I, I think Welbeck has said like that essentially he's got that kind of Dostoevskyan outlook of if there's not God, then everything is permitted. And like Exactly, which is the most conservative view possible. Potentially, although my question is more like because God is this repository for so much right? Like descriptions of of how to live or meaning or uh you know, you know, our relationship with the infinite uh is I I agree with you that Huelbeck is like very conservative and i think he's ultimately just lamenting the loss of something and not celebrating the re you know his theoretical introduction of what could save it um however i i do agree with the general notion that like a religious impulse is something that people have and that you know 
there, there's like scientific materialism there's like a guy that's kind of like neil degrasse tyson <laughs> who comes in at some point in the book and stuff like well actually right like we're actually made of uh starlight uh crushed in the in a black hole oh, i hated <laughs> i hated that so much it felt like it felt like Welbeck just read like a chapter of a uh, like carl sagan's book and was like "Ooh, this would be good to put in here i'll sound smart Ew. no i um, think i think he genuine like again i think I think Quebec's smart. I just don't agree with at all with like his viewpoint on how things function. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it, whether he's smart or not is immaterial. And, and 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 so is whether or not he's a good writer. He's, he can put a sentence together, right? But he's all right. Yeah. Um, um I, well, I, just, I, yeah, go ahead, Matt. My only, my only point from that little thing was just like, do you think there's some sort of instinct to worship or is like religious? impulse and elastic enough notion to incorporate like things that maybe people wouldn't traditionally think apply I mean, well worship, this is why all i, I think, know about uh, worship is uh in the context of taylor swift's legs <laughs> oh i think i still have a chance with her we're both single um this is why you should have uh listened to that keegan craig debate matt <laughs> this would have been perfect for your question Okay, kinda, well, enlighten me through your understanding of it. Okay, well, I'll sum. I'll try to sum up uh, this hour-long discussion that I just listened to. But it, um, I think it was Keegan, the one who was arguing against the the need for God to have morality. Right. Um, he basically his point is that like, why why can't we just basically set up a system of rules which we are which we already have and follow what we think is good and what we think is evil why do we have to look to some cosmic entity you know god muhammad to get those types of answers when we know just on an individual basis what is good what is evil what is pain um it doesn't like if, if i like punch a 10 year old girl that is bad like it, it gives her pain. It makes me feel weird. I just punch. I wouldn't like to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it would give everyone pain. <laughs> um, and there doesn't need to be anyone else involved in that to make that there doesn't, God doesn't need to be watching me and say, you did a bad thing. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I did do a bad thing. So like, we are, we already know that it's bad. Um, Gabe can probably speak on this more clearly than me, but um but uh, I think what you were saying, though, like, I think a, a lot of people still in society can't really they haven't really even thought about that question. Like they just assume that you need some sort of higher structure. You need God in society in some way in order to have a system, especially a, a, mora a system of morality. Um, and maybe God needs to be involved in governance in some way, too. I don't know. Um, well, I mean, that's already complicating the issue. I, I'm, do I don't mean? have an answer myself. I'm just, I'm just curious because, like, I, I think the idea of a religious impulse is, is, is a capacious notion. Like, it, it, there's a lot of ways in which you can interpret that, that maybe don't, um, fall in line with just like uh, an adherence to dogma, in in the traditional ways we think of it. I think there's a couple questions and, and we're, we're, we're maybe getting in the, we're become, this is actually the philosophy crackers. Yeah. Um, we're getting into I mean, it we, now. 
we got to do it though. No, I know. No, no, no. It, we, it, it is. It's, it's, re- it's obviously relevant to the book, but I mean, there's a distinction between the empirical fact of a religious impulse, right? That, that might be true or false. I'm not, a, mm-hmm. I'm not like a neuroscientist or a psychologist. The, 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 the relevant question for this book and in terms of moral thinking is, are we better or worse off following that impulse? Should we try to right. resist it or embrace it? Quelbeck seems to me to be pretty clear that we ought to embrace it. And I think that's a conservative and also very stupid and bad position to put my, my fucking cards on the table. Yeah, especially as he seems to define it. Um, but however, there, I think what Paul was kind of skirting around with that debate that I, I don't, I haven't watched, uh, it is more just, a, uh, again, this is what I mean by like, it's fucking variable and I, I'm not quite sure how to define it. It's just more like, are there rules? Are there, like, I think, Gabe, you you have described yourself as believing in objective ethics. I would describe those as as rules that, like, undergird a thing. And, like, there, there you can start to claim to uh, see the existence of a structure. And it's like, you know. So this is, okay, yeah. I don't, and I don't want to just run through the, the, the debate. This is, by the way, this is a debate between Shelley Kagan, who's a Yale philosophy professor of moral theory, and William Lane Craig, who's a well-known Christian apologetics guy. He had a moment on YouTube years ago back, sort of similar in, you know, sort of when Sam Harris and all those people. I remember there. that shit. Yeah. But, and, and it, the, the, the debate is interesting because Craig is a fabulous debater. The guy is a, a fucking wizard with words and making people look and seem stupid. And this is one of the few debates where he just, is pretty transparently blown out, like out of his depth. And um, the, 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 the discussion, the crux of the discussion is why do we need, or, or what does it mean for a moral rule to be objective? Does it have to be judged by some uh, neutral, all-powerful third party? Or is it enough that we all agree intersubjectively that this thing is important or that we shouldn't do this thing. And uh, Kagan is arguing that, of course, like what, what, what reason, what do we need more than it matters to us? Why does it need to matter in some capital M cosmic sense? Isn't it mattering to us good enough to organize our behavior around? And I think, right. Welbeck, I think Welbeck rejects that. I think Welbeck thinks you need some, some third party cosmic force to, in order to derive meaning in your life. And I think that's absurd and harmful. I think that's, yeah. And uh, you were out of the room, Gabe, but I use the example of like, if, if, uh, if, if I punch a 10 year old girl in the face, I don't, I don't need a God character to tell me that I did the wrong thing. It's yeah, like, she, she could tell you that she could tell yeah, you that you did a wrong thing. Exactly. And her family who was right there in this scene, they saw it. They would tell me. Um, but yeah, I think it's clear in the book too that Francois, like he he needs that that meaning to or he he starts to like uh think about God again after talking to his his Muslim friend. And he uh he has this moment where he's like suddenly like, wow, if God exists, I'm doing all these awful things. It, it's like he he needed that 
little bit of thought about God potentially being real in order to like think about his behavior. Can I, um, can I read a passage that's connected to this point? Or wait, are it. you done, Paul? I'm sorry. I'm... No, I'm pretty much done. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's not. It's not fine. I it's not fine. No, no, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, that was pretty much all I wanted to say. I just, I was going to say, I was just saying that uh, he, he seems to need that overbearing godlike force in order to question his behavior. Right, and I, and I think, I, I think that, again, we can't have it both ways, right? Either Francois is an everyman, or he's some satirical figure that Huelbeck is making up in an exact like and i think we should return to the satire satire question because mm. i think it's important and i i can hear um a, some subset of people who might listen to this episode screaming this whole time it's satire it's a satire he's not earnestly saying any of this stuff it's a satire it's a satire yeah. um it's, it's not a, you're wrong and stupid there's a there's a literally a, there's a paris review interview with him where uh he says as much too just by the way that, that it that, is a satire? That it is not. Right. I think, that, oh. I think Gabe, you brought this up in our chat or whatever uh, before, but like some, Huelbeck has the famous quote, like, you know, how do you write these things? And he says, you know, I write as though I have, I'm dead. Uh, but people treat him as though he were. And it's like, you know, uh, no, yeah. he's, a, he's a living dude who, who will voice his opinions and stuff. Like he, he can continually be available for interview and stuff. And like, so yeah, I, I that was something that actually I was wrestling with until I read some claims or you know just some discussions about submission and stuff. He was like, "No, I, I don't really see it as satirical, holy. It's like there's some funny bits. That's how he described it basically. He's like, "I've injected humor where I felt necessary, but mostly it's not that funny." So Yeah, and I think that I mean that I think he's right about that. That's how I felt about the book too. I mean, yeah. and I think that like, you know, yeah, again, right? Like this guy is not fucking pension, right? He's not a fucking right. uh, hermit that never speaks to anybody. He's he's out there giving interviews on fucking French news and shit. And unless you have some grand theory of Quebec's entire career as like a performance art piece, then at some point we have to start taking just the words he says seriously. And I think to just say everything is satire, everything's a joke, none of it is. It, and, and again, even that in and of itself is a classic right wing move to just say it's all satire. It's all a joke. It's not serious. None of it's real. None of it's serious. It's all satire. It's all satire. Please, it's all satire. Please, please listen to uh, the Bolaño episode. Yes. Which I think is perpetually of relevance. And one of the reasons why I chose it. Uh, and Bolaño has a whole <laughs> fucking book i i found out about uh science fiction as a genre that i really want to read because i was thinking about why i liked possibility of an island and not these other books by welbeck and like i don't know i, I am am i uh am i being fed a pill through you know that's in a bunch of peanut butter or or am i <laughs> <laughs> like still crit as critically engaged as I would be normally. Uh, anyway, so here's the here's the passage I want to read that I wanted to read in this in this sort of connection. Um, this is on 184 to 185. If you guys want to follow along with it, yeah. Um, under an Islamic regime, women, at least the ones pretty enough to attract a rich husband, were able to remain children their entire lives. No sooner had they put childhood behind them than they became mothers and were plunged back into the world of childish things. Their children grew up, 
then they became grandmothers, and so their lives went by. There were just a few years where they bought sexy underwear, exchanging the games of the nursery for those of the bedroom, which turned out to be much the same thing. Obviously, they had no autonomy, but as they say in English, fuck autonomy. And to me, I think, I think that's sort of the point of the book. Fuck autonomy. Give me the rules. Tell me what to do. And that's how I will sort of find meaning. I think, again, it's easy to read that passage talking about you know, veiled women buying sexy lingerie and sort of infantilizing them. And it's all problematic, of course. But the real problem with that passage is the end where it's, no, this is actually all a good thing. We should all want this, right? We should not, our autonomy is not valuable. Our, our, our own choices are not sort of the, the locus of meaning. It's, it's our ability to self-discipline and conform to a set of rules that's provided by some higher authority. Yeah, and 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 it's it, it's funny because he's a pretty like decent critic on occasion of just like consumerism and the and the malaise. You know, I mean, I w- he's simplified the ways in which that that manifests and honestly underestimates how strange and perverse and 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 bad it actually is in a lot of ways. Uh, but you know, uh, fuck, I fucking lost the thread. I, I, I don't know what thread you on, but it, just because you brought it up, I'll throw in here that in terms of the um, description of, of capitalist malaise and stuff, I just want to plug Mark Fisher because Hualbeck seems to me to just be a less perceptive right-wing Mark Fisher. Like, if, if you want to sort of get a decent handle on someone who has and Fisher is also engaged in the sort of like specific examples that are sort of all current and whatever of right. the, you know and in 30 years Mark Fisher may look fucking completely out of touch but if if this is if that's your sort of vibe I don't think you can do a lot better I guess all I was trying to get at was that like uh in his overcorrection into the other realm there's a brief moment where he hits on the truths that I think give people the sense that he is overall correct. Does that make sense? Like he, his, his criticisms overlap with like what I would regard as, as the truth, right? Like this shit sucks. Uh, people are adrift. There is a, there is a malaise going on as like, you know, consumer capitalism, just like guts, every relationship or sense of connection or meaning blah 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 i i think that's the venn diagram overlap that causes this cognitive dissonance in certain people where like otherwise they would not go in the next phase of Huelbeck's thought but it's because you know it's the same idea as like every lie contains the right amount of truth or something yeah. like that. And, and, and I mean, again, I think, I think he's correct. And, and it's talking about that Venn diagram, like I would overlap with Welbeck in many ways in terms of the diagnosis of the problem. Right. His, his understanding of what the solution ought to be is fucking insane to me. <laughs> should we, um, should we talk about any plot points? yes that's probably a good idea on a just a podcast g- other yep. other characters too maybe 
Right. Because you got, uh, you know, it, it, it starts very bare bones. Like, right, you got Francois, and he's a professor at the Sorbonne. He is a uh, expert in J.K. Huismont, a decadent French author um, whose life Francois kind of also mirrors. It's like a kind of, you know, transposed in time, but like just the same the same issue, except for you know notable notable limits where Huismont, right? Which I think is not accidental. Like the, no. the link to decadence. No. And because that's the that that again is the language of the sort of right wing decline of the West people, right? The West is irretrievably decadent. We're degenerates is another common term these people use, and I think Hualbeck is purposely mobilizing that language in an earnest way. Again, I I don't think I just I don't think this is satirical. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing. Before we like the other night we were texting a little bit, I, I said like something like uh you know what what I'm reading on the paper, it, it just kind of is what it is. Like what he's saying is just clearly what he what I read as like what Quellbeck actually feels. And um I just found my own personal experience reading it, I did not find it to be satirical like whatsoever. I didn't I, I was I actually looked up the definition of satire. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, right on. The use of the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's stupidity or vices. Um, and I, I mean, I didn't find, I didn't laugh at all. Really, I didn't find any of it really funny. I didn't really find any anything ironic. Um, exaggeration, maybe, um, but the ridicule I barely caught too. So. To me, if you're just thinking about it in like an objective sense of the definition, I just feel like it missed the marks. And for people to claim that this is a satire, I'm just like, have you ever actually read a satire or seen a satirical movie? Like this just, it seemed just like a, like a blatant fictionalized story. What, what's the, what, what's the classic line about satire? If it doesn't have like a clear target, it, it has to have a clear target or whatever, lest it be mistaken for earnest you know whatever you don't you, you know that line matt you know or paul you're not not, not really I'm, I'm gonna look yeah. at yeah i know what you mean paul I, and also there are different types of satire as well i mean it, it's a more complicated idea than than this like uh he's not doing uh he's doing science fiction again basically more than anything else i would say your speculative fiction you know uh yeah. He's not taking the truths of an envi- of of a situation and exaggerating them, which is like I think uh, Manipian satire, where you like kind of play the like kind of I mean to put it crassly, like Stephen Colbert, like you 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 be the person and just identi- over identify with them to the point where you kind of like uh, do an ad absurdity ad absurdum on like their their viewpoint or reductio, whatever it's called. Um, which is probably the the defenders of this book are the people that say that that's what Holbeck was doing through Francoise, right? But Holbeck has said that this isn't that in interviews. What's like the what's the reductio? Where's the absurdity? Like, right. he, he, it seems to me that he goes to great lengths to make the situation seem plausible. He describes vote breakdowns in the French election. He describes like 
the the political maneuverings of the various parties and why this party did this based on their interest set and and all of that there's no there's no absurdity there's no comedy there's no it, it, it's 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 very earnest and he goes to great lengths to make it seem plausible mm-hmm yeah, the comedy is 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 in the areas where Huelbeck would probably be the most well versed, which is like intelligentsia shit and like the literati of France. I, I think he I think he falls on his face with respect to that too. Personally, I, I, as an academic, I think the someone who's in academia, sort of, you know, obliquely at least, adjunct instructor. <laughs> Come on now, you're um, in it. It's 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 it, here. Okay, here's the satire quote, and then I'll talk about the academia thing. Yeah, the this is I don't know. The, the, apparently, there's no uh, agreement on where this comes from. It's sort of an apocryphal sort of internet thing. But it's, it says satire requires a clarity of purpose and target, lest it be mistaken for and contribute to that which it intends to criticize. And I think Quebec runs afoul of that pretty constantly in this book. There's no clear target for me. Maybe the sort of, as you were saying, Matt, the French intellectual class. Um, but again, there's no, there's no clarity. It's not funny. There's no uh, sort of absurdity to it, which would signal that it's a satire. Um, and his, his, like his depiction of academic life is sometimes accurate in his descriptions of like, I mean, I thought the very beginning was interesting where Francois talks about not realizing that his life was basically over when he finished his dissertation. That, that's kind of true. They, like, <laughs> there, there are aspects of Francois's subjective experience of his relationship to um, the people that he studies that I think are, are, are accurate and, and resonant with me personally, at least. But his description of academic life in general is ridiculous and and i think that uh, in a non-funny way like to me satire okay it it it, it, if it's it it should be ridiculous but also funny and identifiable but like over the course of like basically three months like professors at the sorbonne start taking child brides like it's stupid like it's just stupid and i don't find it particularly funny and he's not presented comedically it's presented very earnestly. It's this kind of like fat, ugly guy who's like, oh, I have meaning now because the Islamic party that's in control offered me a child bride. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is not funny. It's sad. Yeah. So I think you're right. It is It is so earnest that there, there's no opportunity for it to be funny at all. It's just presented so matter-of-factly. Paul, you're very crackly now. Go. We're and back. we're back. Hey, sorry. Paul's audio was so good that we had technical problems, but we are back. <laughs> I think my audio system's like, am I really, did you really buy me just to talk about this type of shit? I should be doing better <laughs> stuff with my gear. Yeah. Your mic is having a fucking, uh, yeah. Yeah. It Paul's mic is Islamophobic. Yeah. It's, pro- <laughs> it's, pro- <laughs> it's protesting. It's AI. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Whoa, time to break down. But yeah, we were talking about um, the earnestness of Holbeck and how it's the situations that should be or could be presented as funny or outrageous. They're they're too earnest. They're not. They don't have any humor to them. 
and he's he said as much that's that's the other thing that like really like fucking seals the deal like he 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 says as much you know like i think it could be funny the description of certain like tenets of islam being uh like completely consonant with like a conservative agenda you know which it seems like that could be like that's like a kind of funny thing when he's describing like the kind of political positioning that um ben abes who's the muslim brotherhood candidate who is described as essentially a giga chad yeah yeah <laughs> yeah nice yes. smile again i think i think a little damningly as just like a good politician you know he's kind of like it just in the sense of like more of like machiavelli like he 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 knows how to run his actually incredibly um you know ambitious line of well, I, eventually just gets described as like he's described as emperor augustus and he's trying to like recreate roman dominance <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, that's the whole that's the fucking point it's like this right it's return to tradition, but the 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 avenue, you know, it's 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 literally our way of life must be preserved meme. But mm-hmm. Welbeck is just saying that the the avenue to that preservation might not be what we thought it was. It's not going to be Christianity. It's not going to be, you know, Catholicism. It's going to be Islam, and that's those, okay. Yeah, those veins are tapped and collapsed, and what we're going to do is this, right. by any means necessary, sort of. Yeah. And then like the, so again, I'm trying to like backpedal to some other plot points because I feel like maybe they're, they're important. Um, but so initially, you know, spoilers, uh, the Islamic brotherhood wins <laughs> some landslide elections in France. And then like towards the end of the book, like other, uh, European countries. Um, and, uh, there's talks about um, Morocco and Algeria and Tunisia being added to the EU. Um, but yeah, Gabe was describing all of these. This is why I think the speculative fiction thing comes into play more than an actual satire. It's just like, you know, I feel like people could say that like Starship Troopers was satirical, <laughs> but but yeah. it's also the genuine I think they would have a better case than the people who say this book is satirical. But still right like a uh, 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 a sci-fi instantiation of the gen- the genuine wishes of the author. Um and again this is why I brought up that Bologna thing where you know he's the whole like uh sci-fi being the the best vehicle for this kind of thing. Um But yeah there's all these breakdowns about like demographics and like uh voter turnout for the different parties i mean france has a a political system that in full confession i'm not like fully familiar with i know it's a two-party running in tandem kind of thing um but that does play a large part in it and he describes like percentage breakdowns of voters and and you know yeah like gabe was saying he goes through great pains to make it seem like a practical outcome yeah and i mean maybe a way to have made it more satirical would be to set it way in the future or something like you were saying like actually make it like 
sci-fi or something. Uh, I think that the half-life of this book is was was just so short. It, it feels like yeah. it could only be relevant to a certain type of person within a certain amount of years after it was published. And now it just seems like, what? What? The world's so different. This this didn't happen. It, it, it's like he took a risk or something, and it, he it would have not been such a risk if it was set in the future, like way farther or something. I don't know. And, and I think I, I think the uh, the speculative fiction connection that Matt's making is relevant too, because I actually some of the most just viscerally like literarily enjoyable parts of the book for me where we're when he's kind of describing the lead up to the takeover of the Islamic party and there's riots in the street, but Francois is like not really there, but he kind of vaguely knows they're happening. And it, it, it and, and there's a, you know, he, he tries to leave Paris and like his girlfriend at the time is, who is Jewish and af- afraid of uh, the, the, the Muslims taking over flees to Israel. Right. And um, uh, I forget her name, but Miriam, Miriam. Yeah. Yeah. And uh I thought those scenes were kind of effective. They were like ominous and kind of like purgy and like fucking <laughs> just, you know what I mean? Like you, you could feel the tension and the sort of like, I don't know. This, I, I would give this book a few points on sci-fi elements. And, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I thought that that was effective. Um, and then, and I also think the closest Welbeck gets to tapping into something that is genuinely representative of the kind of like what we've been calling the late capitalist malaise or whatever is when he describes that scene where I think, you know, Francois is trying to flee Paris and he stumbles upon that gas station where there's been a shooting and he just kind of like steps over the bodies and like, doesn't even notice that they're there basically. And he's like looking for gas. Um, that, that feels so much more like a, like a JG Ballard thing. Yes. Or something, though. Yes. That's what and, like and, Paul, that, and that 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 tone is nowhere else in the book. It's 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 only in that scene, and it's like if that that to me is where you could get to. Oh, this is satirical. This is something, but it's literally one scene. It's like a paragraph. Well, I w- I was just trying yeah. to agree, agree, Paul. Like you you brought up Dirty Snow. I think that's a great fucking example. Like, you know, like it's not like we're averse to uh, cynicism or. Uh, you know, satirical and highly political literature, anything like that. It's just that, like, honestly, <laughs> we've seen better and darker. Um, yeah. And we also lived through this portion of time, which is another thing that allows us the perspective to, like, kind of, like, be a little bit more like, nah, nah, I don't know. Like, I, I know I didn't, I know I'm not French, but, like, I, I bet this isn't reflective of of the genuine reality of it both a simplification and an overcomplication in turn you know what i mean yeah yeah he just fucking fell short didn't he big time swing and a miss yeah the the miriam stuff i i liked uh some of the uh political analysis i thought that was like the other times he was uh a little funny uh here we go. I got a little highlight here. Um, so he just, <laughs> this is kind of earlier on. I think it's like page 28. Mm. Um, it just says a center left candidate would be elected, serve either one or two terms, depending on how charismatic he was. 
Then for obscure reasons, he would fail to complete a third. When people got tired of that candidate, the center left in general, we'd witness the phenomenon of quote, democratic change and the voters would install a candidate of the center right. Also for one or two terms, depending on his personal appeal. Like, you know, that, that is a pretty decent summation of like, uh, like America's own situation yeah. currently. No, no, it yeah, is. I, but, but it's also this kind of like, um, again, and you referenced this before, Matt. So this is sort of consonant with Welbeck's like general disposition. It's this disengaged kind of radical centrist above it all mm-hmm. thing, which is if you're writing a political novel, just like I think gets to the point that we're at where it just feels like nothing is being said. It feels like eating fucking packing peanuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I right. think also that passage, you know, I think that maybe that's what you attracted you to him and his other novels. Maybe he does he does seem to have a grasp of the malaise in society. But I think this this novel you know, he might have a criticism of the West in a way, but it's almost like he he just wants it to work again. Like he, he actually wants the hierarchy and the patriarchy back. Um, so he, he, he senses that something's wrong with it, but his answer for the things that are wrong, his solution is I want an overarching system of rules to follow again and we've lost that and that's where the malaise comes from and we need to get back to that those old roots yeah that's it right yeah did you have some more to say i was gonna say like that's where i think you you can be a person that understands and sees what is wrong with the world but if your solution is like you know make it strong or go back to roots that's it's like, okay, you understand that there's something bad happening, but your solution is just like atrocious. Turn for tradition, wrong. baby. The thing, the thing, the only complication I would say is like, I don't think Quellbeck, I think Quellbeck through the character of Francois is describing how that the return to tradition doesn't function any longer. And that's like, because Francois is trying to have all the you know he has all these historical reference uh you know Huisman being the main one of of people who were capable of religious conversion in an in a genuine sense and like i think one of the things that makes his conversion or the question of his conversion at the end different is that still you know what's dangled at in front of his face that he ends up accepting is like women and money. Like he's still give he's still doing a consumer choice by the end. I, I, yeah. I, I have mixed feelings about that because I think, I think that's right. And I think that that's certainly a part of it that sort of like, like systems of religious meaning become reduced, not, not just religious meaning, meaning full stop get reduced to consumer choices. But I also think that there is this, if you read the pages leading up to that final that final chapter where he's considered, he does get this kind of joie de vivre back that isn't just more money. It's not just the women. It's, he becomes interested in his work again. He starts writing again. Like it, it, it is a sort of genuine um, 
you know, awakening is probably too strong a word, but it's, it, it is a genuine sort of fire that's lit in him that goes beyond, certainly it's more than he got with his dalliance with a, trying to convert to Catholicism, right? But I, I, I yeah, but like, I, it's all, I think it's also made clear, like, in those last bits that, like, he has a final spurt of it where he's writing the preface to his re <laughs> what is it like new edition of yeah it's like a new work. a new edition of uh, in the Pleiades work yeah but the phrase you know and now my academic you know now my intellectual life is over happens before the end of the book yeah you're right i don't know i just i i think that like the key is still you know he's he does get that for a moment and again but again it's so like transient and brief and the deciding factor is just still like i can have you know i've been told that based on my exorbitant new salary because the uh petrodollar saudi kings are uh, you know giving so much to ed the educational system i can afford three wives he's like i can get money and women and like also just based on my own exposure to Quelbeck, these are the actual grounding principles of his view of life. Right. It, yeah, exactly. No, which it's I don't, that. which I think are bullshit. Yeah. It's just, it's just, I just think it's different than what you're describing. Like it's that, it, it, well, maybe. Yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I mean, to me, it seems like he, uh, if, if we were expecting him to just like fall in love with any religion that would go against his character, I think. You're, I think you're right, Matt, that those are the two things that he cares most about, and he's accepting of the new structure because he now has a little boost of meaning, but he also is getting the two things he wants. So he, it's not like a love of Islam and his conversion. It's more just like an acceptance of it. I, that's what I think. Like, I don't, but, I don't but expect it's, him to but become, it's like, it's devout. because it gives him structure though it's because it gives him meaning right the other stuff yeah is 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 there but well, it's part of the structure it, it, those are the things that are like it's like right yes exactly he loves the, he loves the structure because he he's he's allowed these things and he also has found an ounce more of meaning so he's less depressed so he's he's accepting of the new state of the world right i i i think like it's not as if the the money and the women is the only thing he's considering, right? I mean, Holbeck spends fucking, what, 20 pages or 25 pages detailing this conversation between Francois and the dean of the of the Sorbonne or the president of the Sorbonne, right? Where who, who, this guy is someone who's converted to Islam long before and written a book about it. And he's kind of selling him on um, Islam as an ideology, as a religion. And like Francois describes that conversation sticking with him and that sort of forces him into questioning some of his prior beliefs. And it, so I don't know, I, I, th I, think it's, I think it's a bit reductive to say it's just a consumer choice. It's just him doing it because of the women and the money. I think that's not in, I think that's not in the text. No, no, no. I, okay, so Rediger, right? The, the, the dean of the college, the new dean after Ben Abbas is elected is a, uh, is the is that Neil deGrasse Tyson meets Islamic fundamentalist almost like some well, bizarre... he's religious though 
not right. He, he's he's I would say he was I would say he's a William Lane Craig type figure. Okay, yeah, that's a good example. Um, yeah. I I in my view of the book, he is the he is the sort of Faustian bargain guy, and it's but I think it it comports with Huelbeck's conservatism still, where Huelbeck is just is is has never stopped mourning the death of the prior culture that gave birth to contemporary France and is now dying. Like, I just think he's just always there that this new example is something that like could function, perform the same function as that prior culture that, that, you know, gave birth to the enlightenment, but like is not preferable and is in fact inferior and still contaminated by like, consumer capitalist choice and like the systems in place that were born out of again just a fundamentalist sort of christian catholic patriarchal society i mean i think because i haven't read any does that make sense or am i just am i just like fumbling through it no it makes sense to me i just i just don't think i read that through the characterization of francois like maybe that's hualbeck's views and maybe because you've read other books by him you're getting more of that sense but i just thought in terms of just this character, I didn't really get a sense that he was like romanticizing a, a fallen culture that he misses. Like he, he, he tries to, I mean, if, if that was the case, I feel like he would have went through with becoming a Catholic and, and wanted like a resurgence of that within himself. Um, Not, but he does. Yeah. I, I, I feel like uh, I would actually class Hallback as a sort of counter enlightenment figure. He's more like a, like a Vico or like a like herder or somebody like he thinks that the enlightenment was a Who's mistake they're, they're, these are just like german philosophers and, and Vico was an italian but uh, uh they were all sort of classed in the category of like the counter enlightenment right that the the enlightenment was sort of a mistake <laughs> and i okay. think quellback is much closer to that than someone who's he's not interested in preserving enlightenment values. He's interested in preserving subjective experiences of meaning. And if the best way to do that is through religion, so much the better. It's, it's, it's grounded in tradition. It's grounded in sort of stable values that don't change. That's what Hulbeck is interested in. Not, I, I, I don't, I, I genuinely don't really get where you're coming from describing him as like a wanting to return to the enlightenment or something like that. No, I, 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 I misphrase myself. No, I think he's anti-enlightenment. I think he wants what you're describing. He wants to go back to the whatever came before. Like, but and then that is preferable to the fundamentalism that is like taking over now or like whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't disagree. I think he's anti-enlightenment. Like, I, I think that's where he describes the like source of the problem originating, right? Like liberal individualism. Um yeah, there's there's passages where he talks about like women wearing like less clothing on the street and how it like I can't really think of exactly what he says, but Peterson. So, yeah, it's a faithful <laughs> Peterson speech. He's like, what do you what do you think of if oh uh, so she's wearing blush in the office? <laughs> yeah. That's to show blood flow and arousal. When you say uh, <laughs> women wearing less clothing and Peterson. I'm like Michaela, baby. Let's let's go. Right. I mean, that's the classic conservative and their daughter. That's Rudy Giuliani and his daughter talking about fucking <laughs> yes. threesomes, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
I know what I'm doing after this podcast. Michaela. Oh, that's okay. So we have a Patreon, but we don't yet have an OnlyFans. Right. So if anyone Soon. wants to see what Paul does after to the podcast. To Michaela Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! But no, I, jerking jerking off to Michaela Peterson to own the trads. <laughs> I I I think I'm agreeing with you guys though. A like like uh, Welbeck is is just mourning the prior version of of the new instantiation that's happening now, right? I don't. I I think it's pretty clear that he's anti enlightenment and anti-secular humanist and uh based on his other books you know like he has a lot to say about like the 60s and the sexual revolution and like you know the 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 environment that spawned the baby boomer mindset and all this kind of stuff which again you know not fully incorrect but just overemphasized and like reductive yeah, I, I think that he has trouble maybe thinking about like what could come out of that. It's, I mean, to me, it's just like it's a part of culture. It has been this like, you know, the 60s happened and uh, people are more free now and sexual liberation, all that stuff is like a part of culture now. It's not going anywhere. Are they more that, free, Paul? Who? Us people? No. I don't think, I mean, yeah, we are in a way, but I just think we're, we do as a society, as a culture, like we do have a problem with finding meaning. I just think that he has, Holbeck has like no ability to grasp like that the individual can grasp their own meaning. Like he, he needs some sort of religious avatar at, at the peak of his understanding to have, to find meaning within himself. Right. And I, yeah. And I think when you look at Francois as a character, I do think you should not regard it as like fully Holbeck's own personal beliefs about what would render meaning, but like, so, and that, and that's why I'm like, Francois is not Holbeck. Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm lumping them in together and, probably and f- too much. But however, it's close. It's negligible. And like Francois is a little more, I think, facile in his understanding of like what is lending his own life meaning. But at the same time, it it doesn't vary too greatly from what I regard as like like if Hobbit's anything, he's just more unsure and nihilist and still conservative and that's basically yeah. it he's just more like i don't he's just more like i don't know which is something that i think francois says a lot he's like just basically like his the most Comden, uh the most uh what condemning thing that he says is just sort of often like i just don't know how i feel i don't care i don't know <laughs> like yeah you know yeah sure like Oh, the locus of of Welbeck's meaning, it seems to me, in based on his other books, is like way more biological materialism. Like, yeah, it's just way more like uh, reproduction, 
and like uh which does come through in this book and like the like totally well and 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 again i think that this is one of the things that he sort of admires about islam Welbeck personally probably not francois though it does come through in francois's character is that (laughs) right even in that discourse between um uh rediger and francois like Islam recognizes the male attraction to the female body and it's biological and that's okay. And we should embrace that. I think Francois, I think Quebec believes that personally. And I think it is expressed in that conversation. Yes. Like we are, I think the, the main thing is like, we are gene replication nodes, like, and that, you know, the modes of sexual attraction are hardwired and uh that's that's maybe one of the most reductive and like sexist and i think misogynist things that he thinks like i think that's the most genuine that he gets it's like here's the here's he's like here's the true here's what i think the truth is like firm ass titties you can't argue with it when a woman (laughs) wears makeup it's because she's trying to (laughs) When her when she wears lipstick, it, it's the blood rushing to her face from sexual arousal. So when my penis gets hard at the copying machine, I'm and I'm getting fired. I'm like, well, fascism, you know, basically. I okay. I I have a passage that I want to read to just submit uh, to the group. Submit hashtag submission. Get oh. it? Because I'm submitting it to you. Oh wow, good, nice. Submission. I love that. Um, uh, I may be going too deep with this, but I do think there is also some racial realism in here in some small places, not in general. Like, I don't think this book is grossly Islamophobic in general. So this is on page 89 for me. It's right before, um, oh, there's, this is not a chapter number. Okay. Anyway, so this is before um, uh, Miriam leaves for Israel. She's just told him she's going to leave for Israel and uh, they've just had sex and she's about to walk out of his apartment for basically the last time. Um, and I, I, I think I misspoke earlier in when I said that they were leaving because they were afraid that the Muslims were going to win. They were leaving because they were afraid that the right wing party was going to win the national front. Right. Um, which is which they don't wind up winning, of course. OK, she steps into her skirt, quote, with, uh, with everything that's going on now, it's obvious the national front is going to win. That's all we'll talk about at lunch. We told you so, sweetheart. Still, that's her parents. Still, they're good people. They only want what's best for me. Yes, they are good people, truly good people. But what about you? What will you do? What do you think is going to happen at school? Talking to him about the Sorbonne. We were standing at the door. I realized that I hadn't the slightest idea and also that I didn't give a fuck. I kissed her softly on the lips and said, there is no Israel for me. Not a deep thought, but that's how it was. She disappeared behind the elevator doors. And in my most sort of SJW woke moments, that strikes me as like lamenting the lack of a white ethnostate. There is no Israel for white men. Yeah, There is no safe haven for them to go to. Because this whole thing is about her being able to go to her place in Israel to escape the persecution she's facing in France and in these, you know, these other countries where the right wing is going to take hold and him saying that line just stuck with me. There is no Israel for me coming from a white rich guy in France, like a white college professor 
and I, I I don't know. I found it to be kind of disturbing. That is disturbing. It's horrible. Everywhere is Israel for you, dude. Exactly. You're white, exactly. You're a white intellectual French man. You can go anywhere. It's Israel. There is a sort of Richard Spencer character in the book too. I forget what his name is. He's a professor, right? Yeah. I Who he talks so. to. I mean, the, 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 the key word here is nativist. Right. Um, but that does create a wrinkle. Uh, so I, uh, what the fuck is this dude's name? I feel bad that I don't know it. It's um, fine. Um, the, it, it, this, this is a book where the characters that aren't Francois are very kind of like loosely outlined. I would say there's not a lot of characterization going on for people that aren't Francois. The, 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 like we know Ben Abbas, who is never physically in the story, but is mm-hmm. described quite a bit. And that's kind of it. Like we meet there, I mean, Miriam, we meet Miriam, editor, and that's kind I of- I feel like Miriam is just described like by her appearance. You really don't get a sense of who she yeah. is. Totally. Like she, she has a firm white ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Basically. That much we do case. know. Uh, there is another character who I also thought was actually pretty cool. Not cool, uh, but interesting. Uh, I think it's Tenor. <laughs> the- I liked the inclusion of French intelligence or like an intelligence agency. Like if you're doing oh, yeah, a political was, novel, yeah, that's I think the, the husband of one of his colleagues from the, from the, of the former right? Dean, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is, this is the like, basically like white nationalist guy, the nativist where he just describes uh, these nativists were Catholic in many cases, royalists, nostalgics, romantics at heart, and most were drunks. So, I can't tell if that's like uh, just trying to include the caveats in order to have done it, <laughs> you know, versus really, I don't know, demonize these people or discount their beliefs. The nativists right. in general are are not who win, obviously, at the end. They are sort of the counter to the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and Ben Abbas's whole thing. And there's also, you know, the Salafists who are like also against Ben Abbas for being a centrist. Right. A kind of, you know, uh, liberal Muslim, I guess, or whatever. I think one thing that I found uh, a little unbelievable, um, unbelievable, even though, he went to Great Lakes to try to make it as believable as possible. I just, did you guys think that the change in the policies throughout the whole country just happened like way too fast? It, it was absurd. Yeah, no, it would never really happen. No, like, I mean, it, it, takes away, it, it takes away my belief in the whole story that's so rooted in realism and suddenly all these changes are taking place. I'm like, that just does, it doesn't happen in any government, any Western government. It's like, it comes to a, cre- a screeching halt because you just can't make changes. It's like liter- literally opposing parties that are just like not wanting it to happen. Yeah, like it, exactly. it wouldn't happen. They literally basically overnight make all employees of the public education system convert to Islam. And like, right. again, that uh, th- this is one of the fucking problems with the book is like, that could be funny. That could be written in a funny way. And it's not. It's written like <laughs> totally seriously and totally earnestly. 
And it, it, it is an absurd thing to anyone who understands how governments function or how the education system functions in any country. It's, it is absurd in the sense that it is impossible, but it's not funny and it's not written funnily. Which yeah, is which totally. is why I'm like this. The people who are oh, it's satire. It, it it just doesn't ring true. Yeah, it's 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 written as though this were not that much. The the thing that the device Huelbeck seems to use in this book is like it's just not that much different from what you experience anyway. I feel like that, right, like that's kind of like what how he described. That's how he justifies a lot of incredibly radical changes that would not be digested by the culture <laughs> in with the right. ease that they seem to be in the book. Like, he's just like, no, like Ben Abbas is a, a hyper charismatic and like a salesman. And then also like this stuff is not far afield from, I don't know, like the hopes and, and existing structures that we have. Yeah. For cons by conservative people. The, 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 one of the best takes that I heard on this outline, uh, this story was from Morgan, who was on the last episode or two episodes. Oh, nice. Ago. Morgan's got a take. Nice. She read like the first 40 pages or something. Um, she didn't finish it, but, and I was describing her the plot and we were sort of talking about it. And she was like, well, if, if another way that this book could work is if it was a critique of the way that Christianity functions in Western countries, right? presenting the sort of Islamic takeover as something that's totally, oh my God, we would never accept that, but that's actually how Christianity works in most Western governments, right? That's right. actually the truth. Christian values are sort of imbued in most um, Western governments and inform policy and shit at a very deep level. That would be funny. That would be interesting. Mm -hmm. but, but, but this is not that. Both because... Both because it, yeah, yeah, and believable because it's real. But th this is not that. Both because um, Huelbeck does not make that connection, at least not explicitly. If anything, he disconnects Christianity and Islam. And uh, the other thing is that I, I, I that, that I said was I think that that would work in the context of the United States, but not in France. Huelbeck, I don't. I, again, I'm not a French scholar, but what I do know about France is that they are almost militantly secular in their public life. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, last time I checked, it was something that you could be reprimanded for, for wearing a cross outside of your clothes in public in France. You're not supposed to do shit like that. And yeah, so the, right. and, and, it's like and hate so, speech in Germany or something. Yeah, like yeah, pretty, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so I just, I just, even as someone who's talking about France as a Frenchman, I don't get where Huelbeck is coming from here. This idea that France would be so open and, and, and receptive to this Muslim takeover that could happen over the course of a couple months when the sort of locus of French public and religious life is hiding and punishing expressions of religion. It, it, I, 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 I genuinely don't get it. There feels like a gap there to me that is, I, I don't know how to bridge. There's like a satirical setup that doesn't end up being a satire, basically. It's like the whole premise is so ripe for it and that's not what ends up happening and you feel like stifled by it. Totally. I think that my there is a connection 
between I feel a bit cocked by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not based, dude. Uh <laughs> There is a connection between Catholicism and, and Islam as like compatible, but again, it, it, it's so it's it's not like that's not included. It's just once again, like a lot of the stuff in this book, it's like included for the weird reason of creating a sense that this is all practical and and highly realistic in its right. time frame, you know? Because they're like, no, if there's anything, these are religions of the book, as he describes, and therefore like they could they could see they could find common ground more easily than an atheist and an and a, you know an islamic person it's like it's like right. the same thing yeah uh, yeah yeah I, they are compatible in the book they're, but they're compatible in a way that a pullback approves of right that right. they that they provide meaning that they provide structure that they provide sort of you know uh, something to latch on to in this mm-hmm. fucking shit storm that we call life get that coffee um, and, <laughs> oh, but 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 uh, that's the not funny way to talk about their compatibility. The funny way, the satirical way, would be to do what he does in this book, but also, but 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 make the compatibility about the way that our governments are structured around religion, and when it's about Christianity, we don't notice it; it doesn't upset us. But when it's about Islam, we get frothed at the mouth. That would right. have been funny, but that's not what he does. No, no, I don't even. I, and I also just don't think that that was the point he was trying to make overall no. either. So why, like, it makes sense that he didn't do that for me because what? Yeah, he just he wasn't trying to make that that point. No, it's just enlightenment, individualism, and by extension, capitalism and consumerism have hollowed out meaning, and that's what it means when he. Uh, purchases a whore and heats up a microwave dinner and watches the news on his television well, and want and <laughs> contemplates suicide idly right Quebec thinks I mean, we need to uh Quebec thinks we need to return to monk but without the e just m-o-n-k <laughs> <laughs> the uh all the passages that he mentioned suicide they like they made me yawn pretty much because the the characterization like we talked about before was just not there so when he when he said you know i just i want to i i'm having sex with these women and like whatever it's not giving me any pleasure anymore my my rock hard dick is just hard but i don't <laughs> i'm not receiving any pleasure right maybe i should kill myself it, it it missed the mark even then for me and i i'm i'm the type of person that actually enjoys these kind of lost characters that like I, I usually connect with people like this like i have my own vices and you know lack of meaning but it was amazing how a character that i thought i could potentially connect with just missed the mark so hard for me it's funny because i i, I thought about this when we were talking about Welbeck's sort of character preoccupations earlier because i was like in that sense he's kind of like murakami paul who you like he's he all of his protagonists are basically the same Right, yeah, I was bad boys who have a fucking, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah. Right, like uh, lost loves in Murakami, or are sexually and politically frustrated for Welbeck or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's interesting that you made that point because I know you like you, you're you're a Murakumer. I am Murakumer. I was just thinking about him in terms of uh, what I would just, what I have loosely 
with with no substantial evidence described as like a, a, a kind of French genre of misanthropy and like negativity. Uh, I mean, I was thinking of uh, uh, Celine. I, he gets a lot of comparisons to Celine and like, um, I don't know. Yeah, Celine Dion, right? Right, yes, Canadian, yeah. uh, which is French, basically. Yeah. Uh, Kioran, E.M. Kioran, or... Kioran, uh, yeah, I think it's Kioran. Uh, you know... Is it, or is it a hard C? I don't know. D- you know, Desaad and, and just like, uh, I think Moliere, 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 uh, wrote a book called The Misanthrope, right? These are, I'm pulling from... Meunier, I love French sauces. <laughs> Gruyere cheese. Uh, Manure? <laughs> yes, there we go. That's it, that's it. It feels a little bit like he's inherited a kind of tradition of writing that's very French in my, in my, uh, you know, kind of unworldly opinion. And also because he's writing in the style that I would just described as more depressed than anything else, you get the limits of that viewpoint, which is an incredibly small, hermetically sealed, blinkered, kind of boring one-dimensional viewpoint it, it's it's just, just yeah yeah sorry yeah no just just like when you're depressed when you're like in the throes of depression like there is n- no way out there's no dimension to the world it's it's just fucking uh multiple ways in which to harm yourself fuck yourself over um and arrive you know all roads lead to you it, it just comes off as everyone that I knew in high school who thought that their depression was unique. Right. And their depression was the first time anyone had ever felt this way. When in reality, it's the most banal, stupid, normal thing anyone has ever felt in the history of humanity. And um, again, you can, you, you, you can say that that is Welbeck's point. Um, but I don't give a shit and I don't want to read that. That's not, that's not a point that I'm interested in reading for fucking 200 pages. It's a stupid point. Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing I wanted to bring up was how this book just, it didn't feel like a, like a work of art to me at all. Like there, there was so, there was just like a lack of creativity that, um, that a depressed person can usually like make a pretty interesting but we've read some books by depressed people that their depression like fueled great characterizations great stories and great works of art like i'm thinking of uh sleep has its house that one was written by a very depressed individual and it it was a work of art it was you know she used i would say the i would say the the guibert that we read last week yeah there we go yeah oh yeah yeah um it, it, it just felt like Walbeck uh he he does seem like he could be a depressed person and has been for a long time and it just seemed like going through the motions in a lot of ways it, even it, though it, he was trying to like make a statement with this book it it just felt like going through the motions like he was writing a paper or something it actually I think that's one of the distinctions that comes through for me and maybe it's because we've read some of those texts recently but this feels like someone who is um profoundly not depressed 
trying to write about a depressed person like that could be it too Quebec Quebec's rich he's famous he's got the he's got the hot Asian GF right you know and uh he's got basically nothing to worry about and he's still trying to get it up to write about these depression and sort of meaninglessness and whatever I don't think he actually feels it and when you read you know Kavan or when you read uh Guibert um you know they feel it and this it, it feels kind of phoned in and and obviously like I'm not like saying we should uh idolize people who are depressed and can accurately represent that depression in text that's not that's not the point but it does kind of feel like a misrepresentation it feels sort of like a phoned in version of like here's yeah. what I think someone who was depressed would say and so it rings hollow in that well, it reminds me. me of uh, it reminds me of the song "Art Is Hard" by Cursive. You guys know <laughs> what I'm talking about? Yeah, dude. Like someone who, uh, yeah, just like maybe like a, it reminds me of a band that writes only sad songs and then they make it big and they're suddenly like financially stable and they have all these opportunities and they have a big house and they still are trying to write albums about like being a depressed 23 year old or something. It, I think you might be right, Gabe. He's maybe not depressed anymore. He's fine. He's got his money and his women, but he's trying to like get back into that mindset. Which is which is why he writes about money and women being the way out of depression in the book, because that's what happened to him. Right. Yeah. I again I don't I don't know if he really believes that that's the case, though, even in this one. Like I think Francoise is giving is experiencing a false hope even with that. I would just describe him as more as a little more pessimistic than you would describe him. Not that that's like I'm, a I'm better saying, or worse. I'm not saying he's not pessimistic. I think he might be pessimistic, but I'm saying it's it 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 doesn't. For me, again, it 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 just doesn't ring true as someone who actually has that experience. It it, I mean, I it 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 rings as someone who like from a third party perspective, again, going back to some of these kind of uh, anachronistic at this point in 2021 references like, Oh, uh, I can just, I can, I can run through the, 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 the thought process. What would a depressed person do? They would, <laughs> they would type in youporn.com and ah, yes, I've captured it. I've captured depression. And Sex. that's, it's, it's stupid. That's not what's, <laughs> that's not, that's not it. Sex. It's a byproduct. Yes, sex.com, dude. www.xxx.com. <laughs> That's how it comes off. That is how it comes off, honestly. It's tits.com slash boobs. Yeah, tits.com slash vagina. Boobies. I think, yeah. And, I and, think and it's it's inauthentic. It comes off as deeply inauthentic to me. And and when you read stuff. I don't know. It, it is fucked up to describe, but like when you read stuff by people who are genuinely in the throes of despair, uh, like Guibert, uh, the difference is that it's not, it's not suffocating. Like what you feel in this book, and I read Serotonin too, and I, like just like what you feel with those is yeah i don't know somebody settling into a blinkered way of experiencing the world by by rote and habit and an attempt to play the hits in a sense 
you know, in the name of quote unquote truth. And then when you read the real, the real deal, as far as I'm concerned, stuff like dirty snow, I don't know. There's this, um, by the bleakness, there is this sense of, there's just this like huge alternative, this like massive sense of potential or like, yeah, I I'm really grasping at straws, but just like, no, I don't you're not, you're not suffocated. What you are is like deeply saddened and depressed yourself, but like, because of how large the world could be or yes. like that it's not hope per se, but it's like, um, just the potentiality of 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 the world we live in and i think that that's fucking again like we've mentioned it a couple times now uh i will i will go to bat for simonon who is my favorite writer uh and i think that he he gets it at a much deeper level like when you when you that 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 feeling of suffocation that you're talking about matt like i think simonon rides that fucking line so like uh, in such a fine way right like dirty snow what i love one of the things i loved about dirty snow was that it takes place in like what feels like a five or six block radius it's a tenement building and a bar and like there's like a little mm -hmm. downtown area and that's about it but it's in the context of a much larger world right there's a there's the war going. it's a world war ii novel basically right um and it's it's captures that sense of just fucking nothingness meaningless darkness way better than this does and again even even imaginatively Quelbeck's like haha oh yeah this is going to be really provocative someone jerks off <laughs> someone uh, Sim fucks Sim a 22 year old and is like i don't even like it yeah exactly <laughs> and then simon is like oh yeah i watched my mom bring a underage prostitute into the bedroom through the window and fuck my friend and pretend that it was me it's just like so much it's like right. Holbeck's imagination is so small it's so conservative that was like written 60 years ago exactly before way before ago. this book so if you're again if you're trying to capture that it it, it just fails for me well also i the one thing i love about dirty snow is that it it makes a political statement without got diving into the larger picture and Holbeck is just trying so hard to like you know criticize society um which he does poorly anyway but he return to monk hard k return to monk that's why that's why i thought uh the possibility of an island although that updike essay is about that book and updike is not having it like this book fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that essay was was really funny. I did think it was on point. Yeah, but I do think that that book is also a kind of. Again, I haven't read his first novel or whatever, but like, again, part of my problem. This is why I was describing like the sci-fi thing and why I find it such a disturbing uh, vehicle for for these kind of ideas a lot of the time. Um, and how much I'm more willing to like engage with them. Like, I, I don't think I don't recognize them as such, but like that book just feels way more 
honest about all the stuff we're describing Welbeck as like couching in satire or whatever here. It's just like, no, here's a speculative fiction that kind of like encapsulates the raw and it's just sort of like breathtakingly hermetically sealed and bleak. It's like being, it's like having your face vacuum sealed, like a piece of chicken thigh, Mm. (laughs) you know, or for sex, like in a leather (laughs) bodysuit. Right. But there's no opening. So you just actually die. (laughs) Die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, and again, I, I actually, the, I mean, I, I, I would read another fallback book. Uh, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I hated this book. We'll talk about, you know, whatever we can give it our scores, but I, I will, I will and would read more. And I, I think the next one that I, I personally would want to read is the elementary particles because that strikes me as kind of representative of Fulbeck's actual personal worldview, as you were saying earlier, Matt, like this sort yeah. of like kind of human, like mechanistic uh, billiard ball, fucking no free will sort of type shit. Mm-hmm. And so that's where that's where I would go next. I, 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 I again, I think he's a great writer, good writer. Um, I think I he's, think I think, he, I think he's abysmally, like abysmally wrong about everything he believes. Yeah, yeah. I, I would even say that I don't even think he's a good writer. I literally didn't underline a single passage in this whole book. I just, I didn't find any of the passages to be that provocative. I, I thought the last chapter was poignant. I'll, I'll say that when where he's sort of and i think that we, like him talking about his father in the last paragraph i thought i thought i thought it was i i thought that was affecting um and maybe we should read some of it but i also think I, it was effect, i also think it was affecting because uh Holbeck's mother <laughs> I, uh, converted oh. to islam and i think that this is a sort of like <laughs> how this, did we not say that i yet? know i know yeah. i know well it's not it's it's not directly kind of i don't know it's not directly relevant, but I mean, but it is. <laughs> yeah, picture. That's fucking so huge. Uh, th- yeah, because the elementary particles. <laughs> there is this uh, device of these two characters who are just ego and id, basically. I wanted to read something I outlined or underlined, just a short thing, which is like what I th- what I think applies to him as a writer more than the- any character. I mean, it's about Francois, but it's uh, uh, it just goes, I felt a dull, numb pain. That's all. But it was enough to keep me from thinking clearly. All I knew was that once again, I found myself alone with even less desire to live and nothing to look forward to but aggravations. Again, not bad. No, no, but I'm not even saying that. I'm saying that that to me describes more or less the the vibe of the book. Yeah. And and, oh, yeah. and 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 there's a lot of like um I listened to a short clip I don't I don't know where it was from of Anna from the uh Red Scare podcast talking about Wellback. Right. She's a fan. She's a fan. Um and I think the the specific clip that I heard was her talking about Wellback's ability to describe these sort of minor indignities that we're forced to endure under late capitalism like i just want to fucking smoke a cigarette and i can't do that inside anywhere anymore and right. uh yeah yeah you know right like that that that's true and he has he is deft at sort of both identifying and describing uh 
those kinds of um moments where you're just like fuck man fuck this fucking sucks you can't even point to a specific thing but shit <laughs> i'm pissed but I, I i i genuinely think it's a mistake to isolate Holbeck's ability to do that which he does have from a wider context and there is one in his wider context is bad it's really, it's just bad. Like his wider view of the world is terrible. He, 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 he's not mad that you can't smoke inside because it's an indignity that is denied to you under capitalism. Like, for example, me, my wife and I have started going out to bars under COVID. For shame. For shame. I know. <laughs> We started, you know, we go out once or twice a week, Fridays, Saturdays, whatever. And I don't feel bad about it anymore because you know what? They're telling me I have to go to work in person. They're telling me I have to interact physically with other people on a day-to-day basis, as long as it's serving somebody else. Right. Fuck that. But Hullback doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about the larger context of these indignities. He's just mad because they are indignities. He's just mad because he can't do the thing he wants to do. He's an anti-masker par excellence, right? He, he, he's not mad that he has to wear a mask because it's unreasonable in the context of capitalism where he has to go to work and be exposed at Wendy's or whatever the fuck. He's mad because he doesn't want to. And that's not the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like this, this very blunt masculine attitude towards indignities that he feels just like mm-hmm. i want to do this thing and i can't do it and i'm a man and i can't why <laughs> I, I do get that sense of just like like uh right a shortened th- uh, thought process by him me me, right. me want do you say no me mad yeah <laughs> yeah it comes out and he's talking about uh jk hoisman i i called him heisman in the in the story michael heisman aka harry potter harry potter heisman um heisman talks about him like smoking a pipe in his bed inside and he's like well i can't do that anymore right he also uh another thing that people use or describe him as is like actually a, a romantic that's another thing I hear a lot, like somebody who bemoans the the loss of, again, traditional, right, love, human relationships and stuff. And again, I think what, what is missed with those kind of assessments of him is a lament of, of the past and tradition and a return and, and the desire of a return of that tradition, but understanding that that's not possible and that's kind of it. And it's impotent. It's like, you know, there's no way to, to do this again, you know? So even, even the kind of squishy aspect of, of Quelbeck is, is kind of more in line with 
the stuff you see a lot of with all the people <laughs> like again to, to bring it to like the contemporary political climate or whatever it's like fucking incels and shit it's like you know like all these people who are like i just want to find a, a, a genuine connection and love with a beautiful wife and like raise a family and stuff it's like that's that's not terrible it's it's once again it's well kinda, wait well, <laughs> well, well okay it's not, terrible to, it's not terrible to want to like fall in love and like have a loving relationship with well somebody. right but it it's is just that it's just literally everything submissive wife to give me children okay well this is yeah. what i was trying to say was like you've isolated the least important aspect of the statement and its context and that's that's the, what i feel like the defenders of like this book and like quelbeck's worldview in general do when they're defending him it's the same way fucking reddit people talk about asian women he talks about muslim women in this book which is funny because holbeck i think has an asian wife right he does yeah yeah is it a beard it's kind of like a beard like a hetero beard what you think he's gay you think holbeck is gay no and and that's problematic i don't think he's gay (laughs) i'm just saying that like uh it might be just some sort of this is speculative obviously he might he might just totally love her i'm just saying like it could just be a a statement in some way like well that's the whole thing i have a i have a asian wife i'm not racist but but that's the thing that's the whole thing with like gamer reddit online guy culture where they're like return to tradition and the only people that get that now are asian women they get that they're supposed to be submissive they get that they're supposed and 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 of course it's all bullshit it's all farce it's all fucking (laughs) made up but but that's the fucking narrative that they have created for themselves. Right. The 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 just sort of holdouts of the eroding forces, but it's like the bad holdouts. Right. It's like the 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 entrenched ones that are so funda- fundamentally and but and also that mixed with the completely racist misinformation also right, right. about yeah, other exactly. cultures right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's the thing is that contemporary right culture has settled on the east broadly japan china korea as being the sort of bulwark the tradition that we need to oh they get it they understand tradition they understand the importance of these structures and i think quelbeck in this book is just doing that same move with respect to islam and it's it's rightist and terrible in both contexts right and if you familiarize yourself with specifically the writing of the cultures you're describing it's it it's not even like you have to dig that deep to find counter examples or arguments against that that idea come back next week when we read uh ah chang's post maoist novellas yes King of Limbs by uh, Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any other big points we want to hit before we go to? Uh... I mean, I, I, I feel like we could go. I mean, I feel like we could go on about this book forever. Uh, I, I think I it's do... one of those things where it's like, I think I said this in the chat too. When I hate something, I feel like I need to justify it way yeah. more than when I do when I like something. <laughs> Uh, and I hated this book. So I, feel like, I feel like I could go on about it for fucking two days. Well, I, I, I am glad that we I picked this book and this is the first book you've hated. I'm, I I, don't get me wrong. I'm glad I read it. Like, yeah, I'm actually, I actually glad. want to say that I, 
I oddly like recommend reading it as like a like a case study for uh this particular author's personality and also like a, a weird time capsule too like it was it gives you a sense of the political structure at a certain time at a certain place on the earth i think it's worth it's worth reading even though i hated it too and oddly enough i kind of do want to read more by holbeck too just to like get a more just to hate more you know i just want to hate it more i want i want to hate talk you'll certainly see themes <laughs> i don't even want to read the stuff i i i had highlighted there's a random thing with Rediger where i just wrote Neil deGrasse Tyson, Rick and Morty, Pickle Rick. I just wrote that for like a description of like the beautiful uh, universe and the billions of galaxies within galaxies and the co whole like cosmic perspective at once indicating God, but also indicating meaninglessness in terms of your station. Like, I do think that that's something that's still definitely floating around culturally that is more corrosive than um perspective giving <laughs> for a lot of people uh and then just very vaguely like I, I i just i don't know i just want to emphasize that i liked the uh the intelligence character i forget what the name of the like french intelligence agency is because it also has ch it changed acronyms a couple times even in the book i did like that character too he was like described yeah, that guy was like fine. shorter and like unimposing and like totally bald right he shaved his head but he was kind of like a nice guy and then you start to learn more about him you're like whoa that, that was the one character i thought had good characterization besides i mean actually i don't even think francois did either uh, yeah i liked him because you know i think if you're gonna discuss if you're going to do anything political you got to discuss the intelligence agencies involved in whatever country or countries you're talking about and yeah, i yeah. really just loved his like He's just kind of impotent, though. I mean, I don't know if this is true overall, but, like, he was just sort of like, you know, Ben Abesk is elected, and then they're just like, okay, well, you can retire, and we're not really involving this agency anymore. And he just loves, but he still loves being, like, an armchair expert. Yeah. Eat way more, but then just eating canapes and, like, drinking Malro wine and stuff, and his wife is just, like, cooking food, and he's just like, yeah, yeah I know a thing or two about yeah about politics and he's just like eating roast <laughs> yeah yeah there's a lot of drinking in this in this book lots of that's another common factor i would say yeah the characters drinks wine so much wine like i'd be throwing up constantly if i were I eating and drinking as much as these fucking people did in these books yeah so much wine they're just like and i polished off my second bottle of wine i'm like yeah, how are yeah. you not barfing motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> like ah, i had a you know i had stuffed pheasant and drank my third bottle of claret <laughs> and i'm just like you should be so sick i just washed <laughs> it down with an ortolan <laughs> my mouth was bleeding because of all the ortolan bones scratching my palate uh, the wine and a heady aroma of yeah yeah but that's that's all part of the more like you know, once again, all the all the food stuff, which is actually quite a big component. Um, well, if you if you like, that kind of happened stuff, in the factory. 
Yeah, that's true. If, if you really like food stuff, you should read more Murakami. He, he I love when he ta- writes about food. so much cooking. In I love it. Killing Commendatory. I'm so I'm about halfway through. Right. It's so calming. It's it's like reading Lord of the Rings when they're camping. That's it. Should, <laughs> it should be yeah. If I wanted to eat llama's bread more than anything else in the world, <laughs> yeah, should be called Cooking Commendatory for all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God damn it. Uh, Ooh, I just got prompted by Zoom asking if I was playing music. I'm not. I was singing. Oh, my vo- I, know wow. my vo- I know my voice is amazing, but shit. <laughs> Your tones were so pure that they thought it was instruments. <laughs> this is how we know AI is still fucking a drooling moron. Um, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Chill. Excuse me. I am classically trained, bitch. Are you? Yeah, Juilliard. <laughs> no, uh, unnamed hometown elite choir. Oh, true. Right. Your vocal cords were shaped with Mr. Unnamed man. Unnamed Who- man. Missing fingers. F in the chat. Cut his hand off in a snowblower. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That's a true story. As a pianist. My, my choir teacher, the pianist, cut his fucking fingers off in a snowblower. Wow. Oh, the Some only other side club shit. Yeah. <laughs> because dead. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what this leave would even lead to, but the last, the last, I promise, the last thing is just like uh, that. I think is actually a valid argument. Is just um, Francois is described as having no historical context outside of his specialty. Right, which is sort of true of academia. I know, I know people like that for sure. I think that's a yeah. That I just think that's a an okay criticism as as a a criticism of people who are, you know, whatever the cliche. The past is doomed to repeat itself if you don't know it. Like right, people who don't see things happening for what they are, which is like repeats oftentimes of 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 the past. You know, it's like just. You think that Francois should read more books, probably. <laughs> Get that coffee. Well, the official st- oh my god. Don't don't can don't fucking the official stance of this show, I hope, is read more books. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And also that every book is a sequel to the previous, which mm-hmm. again is a is a be- is a beautiful way to encapsulate the fact that you should be sort of creating a network through what you engage with. Facts. And that provides a context. Tune in for our too. next uh book tube booktuber roast where we elaborate on that point mm. oh baby i can't wait yeah um okay so harry potter houses okay i don't i don't know who we do other than francois i'm not gonna lie it's gotta be just francois just a yeah it's just I francois so. i guess i go last because i'm the picker well that's only for scores i i, I don't know or whatever i don't really know. i don't know man the dude the dude seems like a uh, Hufflepuff. Yeah. Right? I don't I think it's... Actually, mm. I don't know. I think it's unfair. I was thinking Hufflepuff, but I think it's a little unfair to just lump any uh, any follower of any kind. If you're just like a follower type person that needs like a system, which is kind of what Francois is, it, does that automatically make you a Hufflepuff? Is he Slytherin? Because he doesn't care about anybody but himself? I think he's Slytherin, yeah. 
he he cares about status he cares about money would it be would it be here's a question would it be cucklepuff or hufflecuck cucklepuff it's funnier it's funnier and that's what he is so that i think that i think he's a slither cuck (laughs) (laughs) that's my stance i'm sticking with slithering i don't know i think uh I think I, I get I think it. Hufflepuff is a little more. I, I find them to be jovi, more jovial. Yeah, he's very um, he's very dour. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think that's the misconception. I think like Hufflepuffs can be dour. Okay. Yes. Exactly. I I, I think the difference is it's he's not someone like Rediger. I think the you still have to cleave to the broad stereotypes of the houses occasionally. And it's like, right. He's so happy. He has Rediger, no plans. Rediger is. No, Rediger, Rediger is beyond. He's Slytherin and he's yeah. right. Okay, okay. Okay. And he's beyond it. He's just found his angle and whatever. And he's ambitious. And he's like a Svengali. Like he's, he's basically, he's basically the uh, product evangelist for Islam. Got right, right. Two academics. And he knows how to pitch it to each individual. And then the individuals are like the Hufflepuff people, like Francois, who's like, <laughs> so like, so like the polygamy thing, like I don't have to be alone when I drink. <laughs> right, 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 right. And like, uh, yeah, it's just so he's so pathetic that like, I don't know. That Red- might be unfair. Rediger, Rediger is like the Billy Mays of Islam. For <laughs> in, for academic. He's just the slap it, whatever that slap it on guy is, stops a leak. <laughs> It's like the leak of your soul yes. out of your body. He's like, nah, just slap it on there. And, you yes. you know, you'll get an extra 30 years. So your, your stance is Cucklepuff? Yes, sir. Yeah, I think I agree. I get where you're coming from, Paul, but I think I'm, I think I'm still Cucklepuff. I think Slytherin's going <laughs> to have a little bit of Cucklepuff in them. I, that can, I mean, that can be true, too, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, just, I'm sticking with Slytherin. I'm with it. All right. Scores. Score time. Okay. Uh, Paul's got to go last. It's his pick per tradition. Mm-hmm. I can go first. Uh, or Matt, do you want to? I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a. Uh, I'm rounding up. I'm giving it a. Uh, I'm giving it a two even. Nice. Wait, are you rounding up or are you giving it a two even? I've rounded up from like a 1.87. When have we, when have we ever ra- like? I'm just I'm doing a two even. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, this is a weird one for me because, like we've talked about, I I think I recommend reading it, and I personally will read more of his books. Uh, but I thought it was absolute poop. I thought it was super bad. Uh, I it's like a one point one three for me. Sick. Oh, I love. I love so I, I I again read it, and I personally will read other things he's written. I thought this was garbage, but still read it. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in the middle of the. I'm I'm gonna do a one point five, and I also recommend reading it though. Uh, Maybe I will do 1.87 then. <laughs> Bet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 1.87. Nice. Noted. 
Okay. Yeah. Fuck this book, but also read it. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a weird one. Yep. But I think it's actually, it might be good for people that like don't know what they're like, if, if they feel lost or something or, and maybe someone would read this and, and like it, like, like a lot of people have and maybe find like weird, get that coffee meaning <laughs> in it. But if you do, you, uh, something's wrong with you. When you're, <laughs> when you're standing on a cliff and you're looking down at the abyss, maybe you're, and, maybe you're snacking on a cliff bar right, after your hike for no reason. <laughs> yeah i mean that's the problem is that he's a persuasive enough writer to appeal to that that's the harm right like that right. that's 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 the downside to it yep yeah watch that debate and then read this book the keegan craig debate it's yeah a good back-to-back thing to do i would say good uh good test for you i think i don't need like the thing I will say is that I, I feel like Quelbeck's on the wane in terms of his notoriety. Um, I genuinely agree that I don't think he has, he has been kind of writing in the same territory and it's, he's circling the drain of a couple concepts <laughs> uh, over the course of his writing career. So yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, he, maybe he'll surprise the world with something that again is happens unfortunately close to some other tragedy or something but like i mean yeah for the most part i it would be worthwhile to read some other stuff but i would say it would probably just confirm what you guys are already kind of sensing so uh I think it would be really funny if Wolbeck's next book was about how uh, a, a famous bunny from a 90s cartoon movie was not sexy anymore. And that isn't because of Lola Bunny? Lola the Bunny? Remake, the remake from fucking... Okay, never mind. I'm explaining the joke. Did they nerf her breasts? What happened? Yeah, yeah. She's not <laughs> sexy anymore, dude. Lola Bunny from Space Jam isn't sexy anymore. No. Yeah. Lola Bunny is yeah. is is an uggo now for LeBron James. Or or, or, or it would be funny if it was about a, a root vegetable that was no longer a specific gender. Ah, yes. Uh. <laughs> Not that they were anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that's the thing. I, would I love, love the idea. A book about emojis by Michael Holbeck. Oh my god. So, okay, Michael Wahlbeck actually wrote the fucking emoji movie. <laughs> Adam Sandler would be the perfect protagonist for a Wahlbeck adaptation. He really would be. He would be, dude. You're right. I, yeah, you're no, you're not right. wrong, dude. Fucking Uncut Gems was really good. Right. I actually think I think he actually might have too much depth as an actor. I would probably put some <laughs> I'm serious. He's good. No, I know. Be, who would be a better choice? Someone like uh uh, who, who's Polly Shore girl <laughs> or who would play Francois fucking Polly Shore Polly Shore I was Brendan Fraser that's uh, Brendan Fraser Matt. dude no that's Matt Damon I... and who's the other guy Ben, ben Affleck? Affleck I think Ben Affleck would be good oh Ben a- actually Ben Affleck could be because I- Ben Affleck is also 
there's that meme of Ben Affleck just kind of like looking a little, a little schlubby smoking a cigarette on the balcony. Yeah, right. Totally. That would vibe. That would be a vibe. And he can't get his dick hard for Lola Bunny. And he's like, <laughs> well, sort of thinking about killing myself. And his, <laughs> and his best friend is just gender neutral Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> he's like, you can plug and chug with me. <laughs> oh my god all right well uh well back any any uh <laughs> well done well uh, well, uh our uh our show tonight yeah and i think uh we'll be well be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who has listened to this point is a legend and you got the best joke of the whole show that's right <laughs> that was it if you listen, then you get the best jokes. Uh, yeah, always at the end. Sorry about that. Follow. Go to our Patreon. There's fun shit on there, everybody. If you're still here, if you're still here, you might be the kind of person who would subscribe to the Patreon. If you're listening right now, you might be a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Happy twentieth episode, guys. Yes, momentous. I love it. Here's to 20,000 more. That's mm -hmm. that's it. Right. Here's We need scientific notation to even describe how many episodes we're going to be having. <laughs> uh, all right. Bye. Bye, Hi guys. Thanks love again. You. And we love you.